Hello and welcome to our first NBL Supercoach episode that we haven't done live during the season. It's just before round nine and the FIBA break, uh, so we felt it was the perfect time to preview the rest of the year and review what we've liked and what we haven't. As always, we're brought here today by the Standard Squeeze, Ryan from Astute Newstead, and Bonus Bank, Hammer. How are you, mate? Mate, I... I'm over the moon right now. New little ass set up, moved the table, found my wedding ring what? that I was just, it had been like six weeks. I was starting to bring myself to the point where I'm going to have to tell my wife, but uh, crisis aborted. Look, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Doing pretty good. Um, I was actually without MBL this weekend. I was talking to this lady that keeps walking around my house. Uh, she said she's my wife. Anyway, um, nice lady. <laughs> nice lady. <Yeah. laughs> uh, look, what we want to do today is deep dive into the second half of the season. Uh, Brano's done up a, a fantastic graphic, um, and we're going to chat through what teams to target at what times throughout the year. Um, everyone will be able to reference this throughout the year, and we're going to put the link in the comments for you to send as your wallpaper on your PC. Um, we're going to individually go through each team and their schedule, and we're going to have a bit of a fun chat about our disappointments and our surprises through the first nine rounds. Can't wait. Look, with with the schedule dive in, it's brought here by Ryan at Astute Newstead. Um, contact him uh, for your obligation free home loan uh, quote. Um, he can get in contact with about 40 different lenders Um I know I did it. If you're thinking about getting into the market, even just contact him to see what you can uh, what you can borrow. Um, but let's have a look at this piece of art, Ooh. Hammer. I wouldn't mind having that framed on my wall. <laughs> look, Impressive. and it's relevant for another 11 weeks, so. <laughs> yeah. Better late than never. But this, this is looking good. This is going to be real helpful coming into the last, uh, you know, the last 11 rounds or so, the back end of the season. Yeah, without mentioning any in particular teams, we have a look at, you know, round 12. Most teams have a uh, have a double as well as getting close in that round sort of 17 and 16. Um, there's some big sort of weeks there. Um, and having a look, there's uh, some really nice run homes for some of these teams, isn't there? Yeah, there's some really good little clusters of those, those green double-doubles, but... There's also a whole lot of white. There's some, some pretty sparse areas that's going to take a little bit of planning for. And that's what we're here for, to help you with your planning. Um, our first team is the New Zealand Breakers, mate. Um, yeah. Look, a double coming up. They've had an absolute dream run up until mm-hmm. this point. Uh, after about round five, when we loaded up on them, I know I'm sitting with uh, Parkshire Jack and C- Jackson Cartwright and Anthony Lamb on my team. Uh, after yep. this week, is it, you know, the only one double in five weeks? It's time to uh, yeah let some of your boys go, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a great run. It was good while it lasted. I- I'm similar to you, mate. I'm I'm holding on to PJC. Uh, Lamb and, and Mango, who's uh, been horrendous. But, yeah, look, this week's good. Round 10 or after round 9, we need to start to at least get rid of some of them. There's there's a lot of good guard play. So Parker Jackson Cartwright, look, 
you know, there's plenty of guys coming in. We'll talk about who who else comes into the schedule, but but Lamb's going to be the tough one for me. He's been great. The role's still there. Cheatham's still out for ages. Um, yeah, that's some some planning going to have to take place for that one. Yeah, I I'm pretty happy to move on, and then maybe maybe we have a little bit of a look um, towards like that round seventeen, having three doubles in the last four weeks. Yeah. And look, PJC, most of us have held him since pretty early on. And to be completely honest, he's been good without being great. After that that first round where he dropped 60, he's been consistently around that sort of mid-20 to mid-35-ish sort of a sort of a range. I've felt a little bit, like, underwhelmed. Have you been the same with him? Look, I got onto him early and he I did take those price rises and I know he's starting to come back a little bit. I haven't been disappointed, but mainly because I haven't found myself captaining him. If I'd captained yeah. him, I'd be really disappointed. I've just been disappointed with whoever else I've captained. Yeah. Would you agree, though, that at that price, that production, it's not going to be overly hard to pivot to some of these other guys, maybe a Jalen Adams, and we'll get into the schedule a bit oh. in a minute, but... I feel like he's not irreplaceable, right? No, it's going to be very easy to pivot. He's, you know, he's made some good cash. He's made 80K throughout the year. Um, Look, if he drops a little bit next week, uh, which he could uh, heading into round 10, I'm willing to cop that with how good he's been. So, yeah. Averaging 34.9. It's good, you know, and even if you have to hold him on your bench, you know, waiting to, for spare trades. He, he's serviceable. And we've got to remember, too, that Will McDowell-White's likely done for the year. So there's not a whole lot of competition. You know, this is his team now. There's not that minute share. There's no that who's the starting point guard. This is it's a pretty clear role now. Yeah, and um, there will be a return of Zylan Cheatham at some stage. Um, and he's yeah. somebody that I could look maybe as a little bit of a pod. I think everybody yeah. will be getting PJC and Anthony Lamb, but probably just all the way down in round 17. I'm just yeah. going to have a look at how it shakes out. And look, Chetham's due back around Christmas, I'm hearing. And from memory, he's got that high 200,000 mark, which at this stage of the game, if you've been making some cash, generating what you need, he could almost come in as a bench guy if you've got the cash, just to, you know, plug and play on doubles, and that's not a bad one to keep in your back pocket. Anthony Lamb, uh, he's been a little bit of a firecracker. His three-round average is 66. Um, mm. Only 15% owned. Yeah. What are we looking at for a break-even for Anthony Lamb this week? Like, can we hold him a few more weeks after this double? Yeah, he's got a 30 break-even, so he's going to generate some cash again. Yeah. So they're on a double this week. If you're holding him, you're stupid to get get rid of him this week. Depending on how he yeah. goes, if this is another really low break even, I'm going to consider holding him just to squeeze that little bit of extra cash um, before I start to pivot. You would be better off moving on a Parker Jackson Cartwright than an Anthony Lamb. You are correct. And we've said that week after week. We are weak at the forward position this year. I found it incredibly difficult to bring in quality forwards. Now, to the point where I'm almost considering Taj McCall if I can sort of massage him in out of the guard spot. But, um, yeah, the guards all year, we, we've got your Crawfords, your Doyles, your Cottons, your, you know, there are so many options and downgrade options that are still great. So, yeah, that's, 
that's probably where we sit with that one. Mate, let's um let's move on to the Sydney Kings. And yep. they haven't been relevant for a while, apart from the fact that they've had some really good players. Um yeah. you know, mainly your Jalen Adams, he's got a three round average of thirty eight. Even Denzel Valentine's got a three round average of thirty six, yep. even though he was, you know, been up and down throughout the year, that sort of center spot as well. Um yep. they sort of come into a little bit of relevance uh in round ten. They do. They've got five doubles left of the season, but only the one double-double. How does this impact your planning? Look, I think it impacts it in a way that I'm okay to, you know, move somebody on on a single game week like a Jalen Adams or someone like that. But I don't want to be holding these people through these singles. I do. Cairns and South East Melbourne have been pretty good defensively. I could even yeah. overlook that, but that um that round twelve, New Zealand and Illawarra could be absolutely anything from these guys. Yeah, look, the the best part of the schedule for me with the Kings is fourteen to seventeen. So they've got a, a double double, a single, and then another double. Um, that's the the point in the schedule where Cairns is starting to come off their big run of doubles. That's probably where I'm looking to target the Kings. Um, and then see what I can find for that round 16. There's plenty of teams on the double in that round. That That's probably my sweet spot for those four rounds, target the Kings. I just really want a captain um, against New Zealand and Illawarra from Sydney. And looking at round 13, you know, there's not too many teams on doubles anyway, and I haven't been touching Adelaide 36's players. We'll touch on that a bit later. But... It'll really be Cairns and, and Kings players, and I'm probably going to have to play someone on a single. That's got to yeah. be a Jalen Adams or or anybody else that's on. Like, DJ Hogue's been really good as well. Mm. Yeah. Look, the thing that scares me about Sydney is, look, they put up a lot of points, but they're also so deep. Like, Jalen Adams had, I think it was nine super coach points, something like that last game. You know, a bit of an aberration, but if they're rolling you feel like they're going to roll with the hot hand and you never know who it's going to be. DJ Hogue's popped up. We've had quite noise some games. Um, yeah. Look, the depth scares me a little bit, but I feel like Adams is probably the one who can at least get the opportunity, whether he capitalises or not. You know, it's to be seen. So I just want to delve into Hogue a little bit because yeah. some people, like, People, if everybody adds Jalen Adams on the right weeks, you're not going to get any clear winners. But DJ Hogue, 2.4% owned. He's dropped about 20K and has a three-round average of 38, a five-round average of of 36. That's a better three-round average than anyone else on this Kings team. Yeah, and he's the focal point. What what I really like about him, and, and I've seen it a little bit this year, but definitely saw it last year in Cairns, is, He's sneakily good defensively. Like, he averaged, would have been two, two and a half blocks last year. Um, and he can get those stats. And he accumulates, he shoots the three, he's a focus on offense. It's, you know, and he's deceptively big. He'd be, what, 6'10", 6'11"? He rebounds. Yeah, big boy. Big lad. Yeah. Especially, I don't know what the story is with Hunter right now, if he's injured or out for quite a while, but Hope's going to be getting a few more rebounds. You know, they're not going to, Outside of Bolden, they're not overly big. Are you going to look at Bolden if 
Jordan Hunter is out for an extended period. Currently, it says um, expected recovery time is to be confirmed. Much the same with Jalen Galloway, which I suppose is helping the DJ Hogue situation. I don't think Jalen affects him too much, but, you know, if he's not going very well, they're probably just more likely to roll with him rather than having that serviceable of a backup there. But would you touch Bob? Possibly. The the centre position we've we've spoke about for the last few weeks is weak. Um, Bolden, to me, isn't an expensive magnate maybe now that he's, he's starting to play. And so depending, I'd have to compare the schedule between Tassie and Sydney, but, you know, if you're saving an extra 70 or 80K, I don't know what it is at the moment, but maybe Magne's the play. Um, but I do like Bolden if if Hunter's out for, for an extended period. Um, but I also don't like him as a starter. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, let's head into my Brisbane Bullets. Uh, the their player of the year and their most points scored is Nathan Sobey, still three hundred, uh, still sub three hundred k. They've yeah. sort of done it by committee. Injuries have had a bit of a bite with them. Um, what if I told you that Tyrell Harrison is our second highest scorer in total points? I would have called you a liar at the start of the year if you told me that. Yeah, look. I think you've got to look into that stat a little bit deeper, considering the injuries this squad's had. Like, your Bannon's been out, your Baines has been suspended, uh, Shannon Scott out for a long period. So maybe that affects it. But here's one for you. Shannon Scott due to return this week. How's that affect your boy, Sophie? Positively. Mm-hmm. Well, no doubt positively basketball-wise. What about super coach wise Supercoach-wise, he hasn't been that good anyway. Um, I can't mm. see how him playing beside Shannon Scott instead of playing behind beside Mitch Norton is going to be negative for Sobey. Uh, he had some yeah. really big scores earlier on in the year next to Shannon Scott. Um, yeah. I'm probably more positive bringing in Sobey with Shannon Scott there than with Mitch Norton starting. Yeah. I'd be interested to actually look at, at Sobey's stats over the year and, and see what the difference is with and without Scott in the lineup because to the eye test, and basketball-wise, you know, putting Supercoach aside, they look a hell of a lot better with Shannon Scott there. You know, it allows Sobey to play his natural two position. I feel like even with Norton in the squad, Sobey still wants that ball in his hand a lot more, and it stagnates the offense. But, um, yeah. What are you looking so, at, Batman? Up until round five, he averaged 30, 31. Um, and yep. now it's down a little bit because that's when Shannon Scott went and ducked out. Um, and he's dropped in cash from week four onwards. He peaked at about 350K. Um, yeah, and he's been he'd just been scoring really well. He had like that 40 earlier on in the year, and he'd just been scoring really well early. Then Shannon Scott yep. ducked out. I don't know if it's a little mm. bit of an outlier, but the team looks better. Shannon Scott's yep. great. Um, he's got a three-round average of 48 as well. He could be a look play yeah. when he comes back. But the schedule's ordinary. It is. There are a long time between drinks in this bullet squad. Like, we've got the, the double round nine, two singles, double, two singles, our double-double, and then the last four rounds are singles. So, really, you have to be done with Brisbane after round 16 completely. Yeah, the, that round 15 and round 16, there's only two teams with the doubles. 
And they definitely have the best, I suppose, run through that period. Um, Of course, 36ers, we don't really know what we've been looking at there. But Mm. Tasmania, Illawarra, Perth and Cairns, yeah, that's a pretty good run in 15 and 16, isn't it? Yeah. Look, that's probably where I'd be looking at at bringing guys in. Um, And probably that, that little bit of a reset period after that round two before you come into that last three or four weeks of the season but yeah brisbane the, the schedule is not great but i still like a lot of guys talk to me about bannon we've we've been hiding him we've we've held him how long can we hold him for the whole year past round 16 Look, is that probably, our, our um point? i think I think when he maxes out in cash, but I think he's going to go into the 300s. He's been he's been really good. Um, I'm going to hold him up until round 12 because when you have a look at round 12 and nobody has a has a double afterwards, so you can't load up yeah. on anyone. But Adelaide and New Zealand are really juicy matchups. Uh, yeah. yeah, I want to have I want to hold him and actually for a one week play, I will probably look at another Brisbane player in round 12, looking at that schedule. I don't know what you're going to call this. It's probably like girl math or something. But the fact that I bought him for 69K, like in my mind, he's still a 69K player. So I don't mind him sitting on my bench. But with the luxury of all that cash and being playable on on a double to bring him into the starting lineup. So girl math or not, that's, um, yeah, I like the guy. I think unless he can score a 30 this week, he's going to start to top out soon though. Um, yeah. but yeah, look, I'll probably hold him through, um, Melbourne and Cairns still thinking that he's a 69 K player and it's going to be okay to drop him, um, after that. And it's okay to lose a bit of money because I've made so much money. I just don't know who yeah. else you're going to go to. Like there's not that many yeah. cheapies, especially not in the forward spot. Um, yeah. there's not really like Sam McDaniels was maybe a good cheapie that made, a little bit of money at times throughout the season, but he's kind of back to close to where he was. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm starting Bannon this week. Uh, yep. After that, he'll probably slide to my bench until we, we work out what's going with the cash situation. But I was really hoping now he's getting up towards that new import price that Adelaide were going to pull the trigger on a new import. And we, we might have, you know, had someone like that come in or or maybe it's a good time and we can go to Cheatham. But um Schedule's not great there either. So, yeah, it's probably a wait and see. Um, but you're right in the fact there's no no one to really pivot to, is there? No. Uh, can we just have a chat about, like, we had a chat about Tyrell Harrison, but can we just, there's two guys I want to bring up before we move on. It's Aaron Baines, 177K, um, averaging 15 points throughout the season. And Chris Smith, um, who was averaging less than 15 points until he blew up and scored 38. Um, Aaron Baines, can he be a look or is the schedule not permitting and you're just trying to think of the good old days when he won a championship with the Spurs? Yeah, look, I think you're you're living with those rose-coloured glasses of, of how good he used to be. In his second or third year in the NBL now, however long he's been here, it it really hasn't, you know, translated yet, has it? And I, I'm not going to hold my breath any longer. Schedule-wise... Yeah. He's lost his starting position. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's not even the best big on his own team, let alone the, the league. So if you look at the schedule, every time they've got a double outside of probably that round nine, I can think of probably a better centre um, with more opportunity um, and probably even a better schedule around it than him. I, I just don't see anything enticing about bringing Baines in. And I've been burnt before. I'm really hesitant to ever pull the trigger on him. And Chris Smith um, was mm. averaging like 14 until he just blew up with 38. I probably yeah. expected more to start the year uh, with how good he was in the preseason. Um, he's actually got a wet stroke, but... It's nice to... Yeah, to 215K. Yeah. yeah. Is, is Chris Smith this week's full salt? Could be. Yeah. I'd want to see him do it more than once before I start getting too excited. Um, you know, he, he's got the tools and he's one of those guys and you're like, you should be better than you're showing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I won't be touching him. Uh, we've we move on to, um, we've to Tassie. Yeah, we've talked about my guys. Let's talk about your guys. And the highest scoring player on – this has been a high-octane offense, let's be honest. Unexpected. <laughs> um, but we're looking at the schedule. So they have a double-double in round 11 and 12, which is really nice. Um, yeah. But then kind of gets ick. Like after that, I probably won't have any Tassie players. Yeah. I'm the same, mate. That, that 11 and 12 is pretty good. There's only a couple of teams that have the double-double in 11 and 12 being um, – your South East Melbourne Phoenix and, and Cairns. Um, but, yeah, after that, it gets fast. We, we've got a long time between drinks on these doubles. And and like we've said, from Tassie, who are you touching? You're touching either Doyle, Crawford, and possibly Magne is a cheapie. Magne may be able to ride it out on the bench at that price. But, um, yeah, the, the guards, there's plenty of other guards in the league who will be on better schedules. I haven't mind Jack McVeigh. Um, he's averaged 25 throughout the year. Uh, Five-round average of 35. He is 11% owned, but he's still sub 300K, um, which is probably worth mentioning. Yeah, look, and he was over 300K before the last week. I think he was like 309 or, or something like that. He, yeah. um, To me, when you're paying over 300, I want more. Like, love Jack McVeigh as a player, and... He's having a great season. There's talk about him being NBL first team, but I see him as having a very narrow scoring window. Pretty solid floor, but not a huge ceiling. He, he doesn't seem to go massive all that often. Do you see Magne pulling out a role better than Marcus Lee? Because they're the same price now. Mm. Um, possibly. I think it's going to be a um, Roth might roll with a hot hand. I feel like um, Marcus Lee will start. They're both um, prone to foul trouble. So maybe that factors in. But I think Magne coming off the bench is better because he's coming up against their second-tier centres on the other team and he's having some serious impact. Um, when he comes in as that second unit, he's more of a focal point. Uh 
I quite like him coming off the bench and see that as being better super coach wise for him. Can I He's... just in a in a quick review, uh you and Rob made a lot of fun of me for looking at Magne when it looked like he was gonna be ready to start the season. Yeah, but looking at my crystal ball, he wasn't ready to start the season. You were premature and I've heard <laughs> you're prone to that as well. But Yes, uh... I need you to stop talking to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh points per minute. For Will Magne, what, what are we looking at there? Because that 412 points he put up in about 47 seconds last game, that was pretty phenomenal. I know it's a small sample size, but it does show you that coming off the bench, if he's playing that 15 to 25 minutes, depending on, on how it goes, he can put up some serious points in, in that kind of time frame. So uh, that was against New Zealand... I think that he's had, what is it, 1.7 points per minute? Solid. Like if yeah. you're playing 20 minutes, you're, you're getting a, you know, mid-30s, high-30s. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, a team that we haven't talked about for a long time, Illawarra. Um, but <laughs> come round 15... I'm probably going to be, I'm thinking I'm going to have made a lot of money. I'm going to be able mm-hmm. to afford some of these forwards that are the focal point of their offense. We'll probably have yeah. a little bit of more of a look at how Justin Tatum is as a coach. Um, yeah. And maybe Sam Froling and Gary Clark could, could enter the chat. Certainly could. An article on NBL.com during the week, uh, Tatum's come out and he said he's looking to tighten the rotation. He's going to be playing eight to nine guys, and guys need to put their hand up and say, I'm in that rotation, which, for a, from a super coach perspective, is great. Jacomas, uh, we talked about this before, it was like he was trying to keep all the parents happy by giving even court time, and he was playing. Like, there were games he paid, played 10, 12 players in the first quarter. Like, you can't yeah. get a rhythm, and you can't get enough time on the court to put up good fantasy scores. So, I like where Tatum's going. Who are the eight? or nine players, and who misses out? And why is it Aldridge? <laughs> Look, it's probably your Frolings, your Gary Clark. You're going to have your Justin Robinson. You're going to have your uh, Tyler Harvey. So we've got four. Uh, Lee is probably going to play the shooter. Um, mm-hmm. Swackalo Baluk. Um, look, maybe a Todd Blanchfield or someone when he's injured. I do think okay. that there is a spot for AJ Johnson. Yep. Oh, I like yeah AJ Johnson, yeah. I like AJ Johnson's prospects a lot more under um, Tatum than I did under Jacobus. Like we, we saw, he had increased time and opportunity. It was only like eight eight minutes or something. But I think you touched on it last week. He was only fifty eight k. Now, if yeah. you are really stretched for cash, you know I'm not going to say he's going to produce a great amount, but I see him doing better than he has been. He's going to do better than Ben Henschel. Yeah, anyone could do better than Ben Henschel. That, that guy is getting splinters in his ass sitting down the end of the pine. He hasn't seen the court I... since he scored 24 points. <laughs> I know, right? That's actually crazy. I actually didn't mind watching him play. Um, yeah, the guy but... can, can hope. Yeah, yeah, the great white hope. Um, mm. Look, 
Dan Greeter and Ulbrich are probably the ones for me that I see drop out of the rotation. Actually, I probably overlooked Mason. Mason Peatling will probably continue to get some minutes there. Yeah. And I know a lot of us have have held Ulbrich for a while. Um, But probably time. I've been trying to pivot away from him for the last two weeks and trades haven't allowed, but he's just hemorrhaging cash now. He's, I think he's break even phenomenal. Um, so if you're still holding him like I am, it's time to abort. You know, hit the eject button. Do you know what's absolutely crazy? That I know I'm going to finish the season with a lot of Illawarra Hawks in my team. Yeah. But it's like what we said when we've spoken about cans. You know, as much as we hate Wardenberg, as much as we you know, are playing these guys who aren't scoring well, over a double... You know, a double Wardenberg is probably the same as a single source on yep. certain weeks. Um, and you really can't beat playing the schedule. So, yeah, it'll be loading up on Illawarra, but Gary Clark, uh, Sam Froling, that's probably where the point's been coming at the moment. The disappointing part of Illawarra is they've been so perimeter-focused with Harvey and Justin Robinson, but they haven't produced. No. They've been ordinary. A team that hasn't been ordinary, but their schedule is Perth Wildcats. Yeah, agreed. They've turned it around the last five, five or six games, eh? They've been good. They've been good. The coach has been good. Um, you know, probably giving Cotton a lot more of the ball, which is good for Super Coach. Um, yeah. Doolittle's, you know, he, he did come in after the season started. Doolittle's found his role. Usher's probably what we expected Usher to be. Um, yeah, I hate what they're doing with Saar, but anyway, this is the NBL and he wants to get drafted. So you got to expect that. Yeah. But, but for all the positives that you've found, it's kind of all null and void because I think they've got the worst schedule over the next little while. Three singles. A double, three singles, and then a double-double. Like, over the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rounds, they've only got one double. That's that's got to be the worst schedule over that stretch, surely. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And you know what? As high as you are on maybe Pinder bouncing back or, or any of these other, if you want to dive down into these storylines – you know what? Double Wardenberg's going to be better than Pinder. Yeah, agreed. Or, or yeah, double anyone. It's yeah, Pinder, Cotton, Doolittle—they're probably the ones guys are holding right now. It's time to abort mission. There's you've got to pivot to a different option and um, start looking around because Perth's probably irrelevant outside of the doubles in uh, sixteen and seventeen, and even then, yeah, you're I... a one week rental. I won't even be looking at them. And it's crazy. Like, Cotton's 35% owned uh, at the moment. Yep. Pinder's 31% owned. Mm. I, again, I would rather just have a punt on, like, Jalen Adams on those weeks um, yep. that he has doubles. I would rather go Jalen Adams. I prefer Cotton to Jalen Adams. But Jalen Adams just has more doubles. So I'm going to just roll with that. Yeah, you're right. And once again, comes back to the schedule. It's disappointing. Year after year, you know, you, look, you sit down at the start of the season, you look at these these schedules, and you're thinking, I've got this player. He's going to be great. want him in my team. 
but the schedule just doesn't allow it. And it seems to always be the same teams that get screwed. Yeah. Yeah, I do wonder whether they're uh, they're moving their doubles out. Everybody loves Perth winning the NBL. Uh, somebody's been looking at this at the schedule. Um, they are <laughs> Australia's darling. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist in you is strong. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, look, a team that's been pretty mid to start the year. Um, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They have been reasonably disappointing. They had a pretty strong schedule to start. Source was out. Uh, Cummings has been in and out of the lineup and hasn't been performing that well. Freak's been average at best. It's it's an up and down team. It's a bit of Jekyll and Hyde. You never know which one's going to turn up, right? I've really struggled with Mitch Creek myself. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I loaded up, I held him through, I lost a bit of cash on him, which is fine. I'm okay with losing some cash if he's putting the points on the board, but I just never never knew whether I was going to get 23-point creek or 40-point creek. Yep. And at that price, you want a bit more certainty. Uh, Gary Brown, um, speaking of Jekyll and Hyde, has been yep. right there. Um, Three-round average of 43. Came off, like, the team of the week that won that week was somebody that captained him after he'd just come off, you know, 14 points the previous game and then come out and scored 80 for the week. Mm-hmm. Look, it's it's always risky, but he can just get hot. Here's a question related to Gary Brown and his, his up and down nature. Would you prefer a guy who you know is going to get you 25 or someone like Gary Brown and you don't know if you're going to get 10? 45 depends if i'm going for overall or team of the week like if you captain somebody that goes 50 and gary brown has that upside in a game then Mm -hmm. you're more likely but you know when you're going for overall and you're chugging away and you know i've hit 400 and all i'm looking at is chugging along you know i want to hit 350th the next week and i want to work my way up to that number one spot i know that if they're risking it on people like like you, Gary Brown, that there's going to be some weeks where they drop 300 spots, but I'm going to keep chugging away. I suppose it's whether I'm trying to win team of the week, whether I'm trying to win head to head, if they've got really good matchups or whether I'm going overall. Cause if I'm trying to win team of the week, if I'm trying to win my head to head cash comps, I really love someone like Gary Brown, but when yeah. you're chugging away, just trying to put a good score on uh finish good overall. Um, yeah, looks Maybe somebody that's like a Mitchell Creek. Like he's never his floor is quite high. Mm-hmm. Where, where is uh, your focus at? Like, like for me, it's solely on overall. I really don't give a lot of attention at all to head to head. Are you the same or, or? Look through this part of the season, it is the same. But when it comes and I'm sitting there at four or five hundred. And I'm in a cash league and everybody's put in $50 and I can win $1,000, but I might finish 800th or I might finish 200th. I'd go for the $1,000. Yeah, for sure. But early on, I suppose if you've got a good team overall, it should be pretty good head to head as well. Yeah. And I'm in that many head to head comps that I'm not too stressed. Like I can't really go and try and win just this league. It's only when it comes to finals or, or something like that, because I think if I'm winning overall, I'll win the majority of my, my games. So good point. 
Look, going back to Phoenix's um, schedule, um, 11 and 12, double, double. Um, yeah. A possible captain target when you bring in a source. Um, Two-week rental on maybe Gary Brown if you can ride out the ups and downs. And then they've got another double-double in round 16, 17. But that is it. It's it's so sparse. You've got the two double-doubles, and then it is a sea of singles surrounding that. So I think for Phoenix, it, it's two-week rentals or nothing. I do really like that Adelaide-New Zealand in round 16, though. Mm, yeah. Big source. That's huge for source. Yeah. It's going to be like a 250-litre sauce bottle, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, from Costco. <laughs> Mate, speaking of absolutely dog shit schedules, I know that you said Perth's might be the worst, but I implore you to look at Melbourne United's. Oh, yeah. Hold my beer. That is horrendous. But we knew this was coming. They were so front-loaded on their schedule. Um. And I think not too many people are holding more than one Melbourne United guy. It's it's something we've seen, we knew was coming, and we've probably planned for it. And we're, we're probably out of the woods with that now. But I think the only thing you can take out of, out of that schedule is probably round fourteen, where only Sydney and Melbourne United are on the double. Maybe it's a play at JLA for captain, but outside of that. I'm not seeing much. I really want to touch it all. You're right. I was going to say that I'm just disappointed that I won't own JLA throughout the year. But maybe round 14, I bring him in as a as a one week rental. Um, Shay Ely leaves my team for the first time uh, in a little while this week. Um, I was holding Shay Ely. Um, he made me some good cash sitting there uh, with uh, Delhi's injury and stuff like that. But yeah, look, yeah. you've got a good two. Yeah, you've got two singles after every double with Melbourne um, in the schedule chat, except for when we're going through disappointments and surprises. We don't really need to look at Melbourne, do we? Yeah, probably the only last thing to mention is round 13, there's only two teams on the double, which is the 36ers and the Taipans. That's a possible play to bring in Melbourne United um, and have them for a two-week rental. They have them on the single where pretty much everyone's on the single. You got him on the double. Maybe it makes it a bit more worth it holding a JLA or someone like that. Travers, if he decides to show up this season. Um, yeah, that's about the only two weeks I'm circling with these guys. Actually, JLA playing against Wardenberg and Menenga is quite spicy. It is. It's um, And then, yeah, Sydney Adelaide. Yeah, they're okay matchups. New Zealand the week after. Probably can't hold him much into that unless you've got other options. But, yeah, that, that's the only time I'll look at Melbourne, I think. Heading in, look, Adelaide is not the city of basketball, but it is the city of churches. So, mm-hmm. um, look, apart from the wine, what's your favourite thing about Adelaide? Uh, probably the road out. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. No, look, to, to be completely honest, I've been to Adelaide uh, probably twice. I've had a really good time. You know, over summer, that city is pretty pretty happening. The fringe festivals, the cricket, there's a bit going on. It's all the little zoo they've got in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, maybe next time I'll even go to an NBL game. Actually, the cricket ground's actually phenomenal. I went to a, uh, to a T, T20 international there. Yeah, great cricket ground. 
Yeah. Is that enough to talk about Adelaide? Should we move on to the Taipans? Mate, all I want to say is maybe a Jacob Wiley or somebody on a good run now that he's dropped a little bit of cash. Uh, didn't look too bad last week. If you if you find yourself some spots down and you're really looking to make a punt, maybe a Jacob Wiley. I, I don't mind it coming in around that round 13. If you can have someone who's a bench player, but he's playable on the double. Because they have that yeah. little sweet spot, round 13, Double, single, double, double, single, double. So if you've got guys you can interchange that, that are starter quality, maybe it's worth a look there. So, so who are we, we looking at in Adelaide who we can potentially swing between starting and uh, and on your bench, possibly in the mould of maybe a Bannon type? Look, maybe – look, Trey Kell's about to be Bannon money. Um, mm-hmm. DJ – 3J is about to be bad in money, but you'd have to be a mad punter to get on DJ 3J. Um, he's five round yeah. average is actually 30, though. Um, look, I'm honestly, everybody else is a cheapie. Even Jason Kadee is only 137K with how much they've been using him. It's honestly, it's Wiley Trakel or DJ 3J for me. I'm yeah. not touch, touching Humphreys. Okay. Is there a point in the season where Teams like Adelaide, let's say they drop a couple of games now and they're outside the playing contention. Do they pivot to a bit of development? Do they start throwing a lot more love to Flowers, to Galloway? Do these guys become more relevant once Adelaide's season is over? No, because Trenton Flowers ain't staying in Adelaide. Hmm. He's going and... back to America next year. He might only be good. That might be the only place he gets a contract next year, of course, but Look, I don't think that they start giving a heap more opportunity to Flowers over somebody like a Jason Kadee or someone. They're going to be trying to keep Jason Kadee or someone happy because they're going to want him to play there again next year. Or is it in their best interest to raise the draft stocks of, of Flowers by playing him? Like, he played some minutes just recently and his draft stocks have gone up. Um, you know, as a club, do you want to be able to hang your hat on the fact that we've got another next star to the NBA? I mean, when it comes with another wooden spoon, maybe. Yeah. And then the other bit to play out in Adelaide, CJ Bruton. What is he doing to ensure he has a job next year? Now, I've heard some rumours. Nothing. I think Derek Rucker brought this up, that they're thinking about extending him a year. Look, when you have a look at this team on paper, until they got DJ 3J, and they have turned it a bit around since they've got DJ 3J. But it wasn't a great roster to start off with. I don't think that it worked very well together. I don't think there was much cohesion there. I just didn't. I saw some names on there, and I thought Mitch McCarron or somebody would have been able to bring it a little bit. I liked Kyron Galloway as a cheapie, but, look, it wasn't very well built after you started seeing them play some basketball. You're right. And it wasn't built well built this year. Didn't work last year with the recruitment, and the year before didn't work either. So, is it a CJ problem? Is it a management problem? Who knows? What's this space? Let's talk about the snakes, the Taipans. How many of these guys can you bring in in the next week? Because that's a whole lot of green. There's more green than Nimbin in this line. (laughs) 
It's like whacking day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there is bring a the lot mower, of... Uh... Bring the mower out in round 14. <laughs> yeah, look, they're looking good. Round 14 is is where we really need to have a bit of a plan in place because after that, there's only the one double left in, in round 16. But, look, I'm loading up. The question we've asked plenty of times is how many is too many? Four or five, unless you're going to have someone on your bench who you're going to ride out longer. For me, Paddy Miller's probably a lock. Karen Armstrong's a lock. Wardenberg is that love-hate relationship we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. Um, the, the only other one that I'm probably, oh, outside of Clintman, he's been sitting there for a while, but Taj McCall, I'm starting to look at. I feel like he's, he's hit equilibrium with his price, maybe. Um, and the guard board eligibility is going to be something I need with a bit of versatility moving forward. How many, I probably would only start three at any given time and maybe, look, I'm probably looking in the weeks forward to having Taron, um, he's come good. Taron's come really good. Um, and maybe a Bobby Clintman, I've just been holding him. He's dropping cash now, even after making 100K. But I think the break, I think these people trading out Bobby Clintman, like you don't hate Bobby Clintman. You hate the fact that he's been injured and banged up and not playing. Like Bobby Clintman, when he's played, has actually been phenomenal. Yeah. He's, he's looked good. And most of the time, it's translated to Supercoach points. Now, would you start him? I don't think so. But like we said, sit on your bench at 50% on all these doubles. It's as good as having a another guy starting on a, on a single, at least. He's, um, he's got more upside than downside. But for me, you're right. Three is a maximum to start. I'm probably starting two, possibly three in these next couple of weeks. But... Armstrong Clintman are going to be fixtures on my bench. I just think as far as guys like Karen and Clintman, I both got them pretty cheap. Girl math coming into it again. In my head, they're still cheap. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to ride them at whatever price they're at now. After round 13, um, we're using a boost. If you're not. Um, some people are using a boost. Sorry, I got one that, that left. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that sounded a lot meaner than I actually meant it to be. That was a yeah. just initial reaction. But we need to slowly get rid of these guys, don't we? We do. But at the same Quickly, time, Quickly get like, rid of them. Uh, yeah. If you're holding like say in my situation where you're probably holding five. Two on the bench, which would be Armstrong Clinton. I've got I'll have three starters, which would be Miller. Wardenberg and probably McCall. Wardenberg can slide to the bench. I can trade out two of them, Miller and McCall, with my two trades. I don't think it's like necessary then to use a boost. You could potentially then start, you know, replacing your bench guys if, if you're set up well enough. It's um, it's not end of the world stuff. I do have one boost left, and I'll use it if I have to, but. I'm semi-confident I can navigate my way out of this without the boost. No, sounds good. And you might just drop back a little bit one week, but you've used the, used the boost to keep you in the um, in the chat oh. to this point, haven't you? Yeah, keep my head above water, thanks to Taron Armstrong and some of these other guys. Miller. 
mate. Let's um let's drop back and uh, uh, look. We probably want to. We don't want to go too much longer than an hour. Um, but no. let's have a look at some of our disappointments for the year. Uh, let's go yeah. back and forth a little bit and and you know tell us a little story. I'll chime in. Um, and I'll do the same with my guy. What do you got? Most disappointing for me, Luke Travers. You know, look, hmm. he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been as expected. That early part of the season with the great schedule, it just didn't hit the heights I was expecting points-wise or cash generation. We, What did we sell him for? Like maybe 20K more than we bought him? I was expecting yeah. so much more. He yeah. is still 277K on the dot. Yeah. For a guy who came to Melbourne for the Xavier Cook role, has had the minutes, has had the opportunity with other guys being injured, and it wasn't until last week that he really went bang after everyone sold him. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually got 53. He's got a five-round average of 40. Uh, But doesn't count if he's not on your team, does he? No. Not angry, just disappointed. Who have you got? Mate, I'm obviously sitting up here in Brisbane as well. And when I have a look at the scores that Chris Smith has produced up until that last week, um, everybody was looking at getting Chris Smith in uh, when his schedule allowed and he's been awful. Yeah. Unplayable. The, the guard board eligibility yeah, was nothing. No. And what, what's he's, his price at now? 215. Like, that's the worst thing. He went up 17K last week. Like, he was somebody that I was thinking maybe about having a punt on at 150K at one stage. Even scoring 38 when no one owns you is just fucking rude. Yeah. And if he's turned the corner, it's too late. The schedule's gone. Yep. Disappointing yep. to say the least. I'll tell you who else is disappointing? Justin Robinson and pretty much the whole of Illawarra. Like, this is a guy. And I distinctly remember when we were talking preseason, I said, this is this is the second coming of Jalen Adams. We saw a one-game sample size plus a bit of preseason the previous year, and he was good. He put up, like, 50 fantasy points in his you know, first game before he did his ACL or whatever it was. And I don't know if it's the squad, coaching, the system, whatever it is, it hasn't been there this year at all. Can I... Can I give you two people that he is actually getting traded in for this week? I was delving around no. in Supercoach stats while you were talking. Uh, somebody is trading him in for Ariel Hutt-Porty and Daniel Fotu from the um, from the New Zealand Breakers. So uh, those guys should be deleting app. Yeah. yeah, somebody's actually upgrading their nuff to him now, so... Congratulations. Thanks for entering the chat. Wow. Yeah. Who else has disappointed you? Mitch Creek. I held on to him for a little bit too long. Uh, we had this elite schedule from Mitch Creek. Um, and Cotton yep. was a bit disappointing through that, which I think is why Mitch Creek's been a bit overlooked as a disappointment. Um, yep. Not only does his barber hate him, but so do I now. And... Mate, like, realistically, he scores well when I don't own him. Um, he's dropped 54K. He's got a 35 break even. Um, 
look, just when I captained him, he was scoring 20s. He was never reliable. Look, he probably did. He did come into the season a bit banged up, and I'm more disappointed from him from a super coach standpoint, but he just hasn't been that good. Yeah, and I think a lot more disappointment comes to guys who are just meh. Like, he hasn't been atrocious, but he hasn't been what we need him to be when we know he can. You know, it's not the same as, you know, a Trenton Flowers. It's, you know, an 18-year-old kid that was hyped up. We, we knew it was probably full sold. Like, we know Creek can produce. And he just he just hasn't given our super coach teams the love that we were hoping for. We're, we're feeling a little bit dejected. I am. Who you got next? Uh, Albridge? Yeah, he's disappointing. Yeah. We, we saw a lot in the preseason. He raced up the NBA draft boards all of a sudden. And, you know, it's kind of like that nursery rhyme. You've got, you got a young kid singing Incy Wincy Spider. He's, he's climbed up the draft, up the, you know, the draft board, and the rain comes down and it's washed poor Incy out again. He's, uh, He's probably sitting on the bench, buried, you know, all the way next to uh, who is down there on the end of the Illawarra bench? Is Zach Delaney still there from 2015? <laughs> I don't even know. He's getting yeah, jumped look, by Mason Peatling for starters. Yeah, it's. I think we're going to be lucky to have an Oldbridge siding over the next few weeks, and when Tatum says he's going to tighten that rotation, possibly going to miss out. And the worst thing is, a lot of us fell into the trap and owned him. A lot of us can't get him out because you've got yeah. more pressing uh, matters. You're just watching him marinate and any money he made just fizzle out. I should have had a and chat to him when I saw him at the cast. You should have told him what, what's up, man. But he's he's hemorrhaging money every week and it's getting harder and harder to get him out. You haven't got the cash. Yeah. His haircut still looks like his haircut still looks like Pidgeotto, and that is also disappointing. <laughs> I wonder if he auctioned off the bowl that his mum uses to cut his hair, how much he'd raise for charity. Uh, probably about $4 because he's irrelevant in the NBL scene now. $1 for every super coach point he's going to put up the rest of the season. Sounds good. Keanu Pinder has been disappointing in Perth for me. Um, just sure. expected more, expected him to go to work. I think a little bit of it has been the emergence of Saar, but he's starting, he's dropped 60K. Um, just, he did score 57 one week. He's got a three round average of 37. Like it hasn't been an absolute disaster, but it is for somebody that costs 380K. Yeah. And if you've tapped him and you get him on the week where he puts up a nine, uh, do you see him improving, though, now that Perth seemed to have figured it out somewhat? No. Okay. Doolittle's doing the legwork. Keanu Pinder's a figurehead. Yeah. Look, I think him going to Perth may be a good basketball move, but he had the keys to the city in Cairns. He would have been a lot better there. I haven't owned him at all this season, and I won't. But, um, yeah, you're right. Disappointing. Hey, fun fact. What do you reckon Keanu Pinder is owned, ownership-wise? Ooh. 30%? Yeah, 32%. Look, that's coming off a pretty sweet spot in the schedule for Perth, but it's a lot more than yeah. I would have thought at, at that price. 
Um, yeah. Probably the only other guy who's really disappointed me that much has been Baines as well. We talked about yeah. it earlier too. You know, we fell in love. We've expected stuff because of what he did in the NBA, what he did with the Boomers. We, we've had two years to get sort of sit in this disappointment. You know, now it's kind of just, you know, he's that old man that yells at clouds, isn't he? Do you know how disappointing Baines is? Tell me. His jersey's 25% off on the NBL store at the moment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next thing I am disappointed in is the Perth Wildcats schedule. We are getting absolutely dudded when it comes to, like, Bryce Cotton would be a fantastic captain option. I think it makes the Supercoach game a little bit more interesting, but sometimes I have the money there for someone like Bryce Cotton and he's on a run of three singles in a row and I'm just like, I hate this game. Yeah, just burning holes in your pockets. It's, um, It's hard. The schedule... You live by the schedule, die by the schedule. It's, it's all important, but um, you're, you're 100% right. Can we move on to who's uh, surprises? One more. The most oh. disappointing thing is the Cairns social media department and their injury updates. For fuck's sake, yeah. how many times has that shafted you, my friend? Oh, two of the three boosts I've used, all down to Cairns social media. Yeah, Taron Armstrong, he's a game-time decision, should play, he's back. No. Paddy Miller, it's just a little bit of back soreness, he'll be back. No. Yeah, atrocious. More than disappointing. Mate, yeah. give us your surprises. Look, my, my biggest surprise, or I don't know if I'd call it a surprise, it's, I've been pleasantly, you know, happy with it. Bannon. You know, I think we, we called it. He's been better than we probably thought. I I was saying that I was going to get me a Bannon jersey before the season. Nobody listened to me. The the Him being injured to start the year actually helped us in Supercoach, us who jumped on early, yep. because there's still people going, oh, I just haven't got the – you've missed the boat now. But there's people at 130K, again, in their head, they were thinking he was a 69K player. He was always probably yeah. a 200K player, always probably yeah. a 250K player. Yeah. Look, exact same situation played out um, with another one of the guys on my surprise list, which was Galloway from Sydney. Now, I didn't jump on early, and I said the exact same thing. Oh, it's too late, it's too late, and he kept going up. I don't know if I would have jumped on Bannon as early as I did if I hadn't have been through the mistake of, not jumping on Galloway quick enough. So, silver lining. You jumped on both, though. Yeah, I did. Uh, pretty good. Uh, how... <laughs> if I say so myself. I, I must say I am surprised in Tasmania's offense. And I think that it's Jordan Crawford just coming out and just being absolutely fearless on offense. It's been... A 180-degree turnaround from last season, or probably the last two seasons, where you've had Josh Majet. Now, loved his game, and he did such good things for that team. But offensively, he was not the second option they ever needed. You know, he'd pull up one dribble over halfway and hit one of eight. You know, having Crawford there, it takes the pressure off of Doyle. 
made them both better. We've seen the offense go high tempo this year. The defense has dropped a little bit, but they're fun to watch. That, that surprised me too. That's not the style I was expecting. Um, your surprise? Uh, Miller from Cairns. Knew he was good. Looked at where he came from. He put up numbers. This is like a double surprise. Originally, I was surprised that they were going to start Armstrong and put a player the quality of Miller on the bench. And then I was surprised with the, with the Armstrong injury that Miller came on, started, and has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm also surprised at just how into his biceps I am. It's kind of weird, and I don't really like it. They're not biceps. They're cannons. Mm, man, those arms have – those biceps have biceps. It's... Have you heard the story about how Miller come to Australia? Tell me. Yeah, he's mates with Taj McCall, and he's like, "Hey, man, oh. you got to come. You got to come up to Cairns." <laughs> so, like um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like that. That's actually what he said from a payphone, and yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually a soundbite from that call. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> something that. <laughs> Can you play that one again? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put that on loop and make it my ringtone. The, the soft, sultry tones of Taj McCall. <laughs> Who could say no to that? No wonder he ended up in Cairns. <laughs> Mate. Um, <laughs> moving. Uh, in the first couple of weeks, who surprised me was Ariel Huckporty. He was fantastic. Yep. yep. Huge step up. He was serviceable. We made the cash. You know, I'm just surprised he's dropped off since. Hey, man. <laughs> oh, man. I think we need to call time of death on this podcast. I'm surprised. <laughs> Mate, that was surprising. Yeah. I'm just surprised you were able to get the audio. <laughs> mate is there do you, do you have any other surprises um i've got a couple like not too in bold um tyrell harrison which we've spoken yep. about and probably how well a smaller forward uh christian doolittle has been doing for perth and sort of since his emergence he's that it's just translated to wins yeah and we doubted him. He, he looked shaky coming in. It really did take him a couple of rounds to, to figure out the league, figure out the team. And probably a lot of that to do is with um, Usher moving to the bench. Now, staying on Perth, one of my biggest surprises, how has John really not been tossed out of a game by the referees yet? Mate, because people have seen you, Coach, and he's from Toowoomba as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Maybe as an assistant coach like you who I can go and get tossed and I know that you'll uh, you'll be that calming influence. Mate, you you sent me over to everybody who's struggling at the moment and you're like, just massage him, man. Just get him right. <laughs> yeah. I meant talk to him. Don't touch the kid. <laughs> Come on, Matt, giddy. <laughs> Mate, I think we're just going to leave that one there now. Um 
Mate, we'll be back uh, in a couple days for our round nine preview. Um, yep. But for now, um, this is something that you can look back on and, um, yeah, work out your schedule. We're going to be saving the wallpaper in the comments so that you can download it and um, set it as your wallpaper or just go back as a reference and check it over the year. Yeah, get on the live on, on Wednesday night. Get your questions, comments in. We'll answer everything. And let's get set for the next round. We're back into it. Sounds good. You've listened to an Insight Fantasy Sports podcast. Cheerio.